beyond that and beyond, again, really getting to sit down in person and, and show the products, the end products um, in a personal standpoint, I think the biggest thing that we've been able to do is communicate on a very human, personal level. Welcome back to The Founder's Couch. This is a talk show about the most inspiring student founders and their intrepid journeys of starting their own thing. I'm your host, Katherine Jang. I was a student founder at Stanford and recently graduated a few months ago. My goal with Founders Couch is to inspire some of you, students, to start your own ventures. I hope to shed a light on the unique journey of what it's like to be a student founder and share helpful advice and lessons learned from some of the top student entrepreneurs across the country. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to Founders Couch wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the show, we have Tim Skapek. Tim is a recent Duke grad who studied mechanical engineering. He hails from Dallas, Texas, and actually went to high school just a few minutes away from me. I first heard about Tim's startup from a friend, and as I heard more about what they were building, I knew I had to get him on the show. His freshman year at Duke, Tim walked on to the football team, an experience that ultimately led him to co-found Protected, a startup that leverages 3D technology to create anatomical, precise, protective devices for athletics. So far, they've created products for nine total athletic programs and 90-plus athletes across the country as well as an iOS app to be used by athletic trainers to capture 3D scans from an iPad. They have won three grants so far, highlighted by the 2020 NFL First and Future Grand Prize for Innovations in Athlete Health and Player Safety, and have also closed a pre-seed round of fundraising from friends and family. Some topics we discuss are, how did Tim come to co-found Protected, and how does he approach selling to customers that are initially less likely to adopt new tech? Now onto the show, let's get Tim, on the couch. Hey, Tim, welcome to the show. Hi, Catherine. Thanks for having me. Yeah. How are you doing during this time? Doing well enough, I would say. Um, it's been, uh, we, as a business, we've tried to focus on what we can control right now with all the craziness in athletics. So um, little wins here and there. I love it. Just starting off this, this kind of conversation, Tim, where are you from and, and where'd you grow up? I know the answer to this, but for those in the audience who don't. <laughs> sure. Um, well, maybe you don't know the whole answer, actually. So I actually, um, <laughs> I, I went to high school in Dallas, um, but I actually just moved there before high school started. And I, before that, I lived in Chicago, outside of Chicago in Oak Park, Illinois for six years and grew up actually in Memphis, Tennessee, and actually was born in San Antonio, but uh, Texas, but wow. only lived there for a year. So um, you kind of moved around a little bit. Yeah, very cool. Um, Tim, so I've given listeners a bit of a rundown on what Protected Pads does and kind of what you guys are all about, but I like to give um, my guests the opportunity to kind of describe the company on their own in their own terms. So how would you, how would you describe what Protected Pads does? Sure. Um, so we are committed to bringing the world of 3D technology to uh, the intersection of athletic medicine and sports medicine. We bring uh, the tool set really to sports medicine professionals to create anatomically precise custom devices that are designed exactly for a specific athlete at scale. So um, we understand all the myself and my co-founders are athletes ourselves, and we understand the difference in confidence and playing that having a really perfect anatomically fitting protective device to come back from an injury or to prevent an injury can bring over a generic small, medium, large solution. And our, our goal is really to bring that technology from 
a couple of use cases to the broad scale within football and all other sports and, and beyond, hopefully. Very cool. I love that little spice of the vision at the end. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So before I guess we, we move on to kind of the main topics that I wanted us to discuss today, I think the founding story of Protected Pads is, is quite interesting. Um, could you maybe tell us a little bit about that time and, and how did you guys all get started? Definitely. Um, it was, it was, uh, I would say it was, uh, there's always this conversation when of how much of, uh, starting a company was luck or how much of success was luck. And we were definitely in the right position at the right time. Um, so I, uh, played football at Duke, um, where I studied engineering as well as my two co-founders were also engineers and football players at Duke. Um, and in the fall leading up to the fall of 2018, we, um, had brought up the idea of 3D printing and, and 3D technology to our athletic training staff and sports medicine professionals about the cool uh, technologies that exist, the materials that could be used, potential applications, and they thought, yeah, this is cool. Um, and then we kind of got our number called for the first time in, in college. We're all walk-ons, so we didn't see the field very much. Um, <laughs> we got our number called when our quarterback, Daniel Jones, who was the quarterback at Duke at the time, uh, broke his collarbone in a game against Northwestern. and um, I, at the time, was a, was a junior on the team. My co-founders, Kevin and Clark, were, were seniors, and um, they grabbed the reins, and, and our athletic training staff called us in and, and said, hey, um, Daniel broke his collarbone. He had surgery. Um, this is a really tough area of the body to protect, um, and we want to see if you can make a device, something that can help him come back more confidently without as much of a worry for re-injury after getting surgery on this broken collarbone. Um, and that was the start. Uh, Kevin and Clark really ran away with it at the beginning, and I, I helped as much as I could. Um, and we ended up spending a few weeks piecing together a solution to create an anatomically precise device that was 3D printed um, that was formed off of getting a 3D scan of Daniel's anatomy. So it was perfectly fitted to his shoulder, um, something that the athletic trainers at Duke were phenomenal, um, just didn't have the capacity to do to this degree of precision. Um, given the technology they had access to at the time. And it ended up working pretty well. We were um, hopeful throughout the whole time and very nervous at some points at the beginning to see Daniel going out and playing in practice and in games, but he ended up returning to play in a game just about three weeks after the injury, which um, he was, our athletic training staff was doing a great job of helping him recover and heal quickly. Um, but the initial timeline was between six to eight weeks. And he definitely, we, we don't take credit at all for any of the healing that happened in his body, but in terms of the confidence that he had, knowing that this device was um, so highly crafted um, and the track record for the rest of the season, no further complications, no re-injury, um, was quite encouraging to us. And from there, our, our sports medicine professionals said, look, this was a fantastic piece of technology that you created. Um, there's something here. It's something definitely to look into a little bit further. Mm -hmm. That's incredible to see, like, what an inspiring, encouraging start this all was, you know? Definitely. So moving on to, to kind of the main thing I wanted to talk about today, Tim, which is around selling to people, I guess you would say, less, who are less likely to adopt technology, maybe, you know, more difficult to sell to. Um, and I thought this was interesting because, you know, obviously in our last call, you mentioned that sometimes these um, athletic trainers or sports medicine professionals tend to be maybe a little hesitant to adopting new technology. I guess I want to know, you know, how, how has that been for you guys and, and what kind of strategies did you guys use to, to combat that initially? Definitely. Um, our, so the, the custom, what's been really interesting 
thing is that the customers that we are now trying to sell to are athletic trainers, sports medicine professionals who um, mostly have been in this field, been in athletic training rooms across all sports um, for many, many years. And it's, there's a certain uh, duality at play where they're, they want to protect the goal is to protect their players and bring the best um, in health and safety to the teams that they're responsible for. So what that means is they're, they're always looking for cutting edge solutions and things that are going to be um, of the highest quality for the teams they're working with. But at the same time, um, bring a new technology that they haven't seen before. You definitely have a certain degree of, of validation and, and um, verification of efficacy that you want to bring to the table and be confident in. So it's, I would say it was quite an interesting thing to approach because we're working with customers who are certainly looking for innovations that are going to help them in their job because they're very focused on their priority, but also want to make sure that any sort of new technology they bring in is, is, is valid and is going to work and is not going to put the health and safety of their players on the line. Interesting. So it's like, yeah, this, these customers are in a way dual natured, right? It's like they're open, but at the same time, they're more wary. That's really interesting. So when did you start realizing that realizing this second part of the nature, the fact that they might be hesitant around any new, new, new pieces of technology? I think, so at the very beginning, when, um, when this all started and Daniel broke his collarbone, there was certainly a vote of confidence in us from the athletic trainers and the Duke athletic training staff who knew us personally very well and, mm -hmm. and trusted us and knew that when we had um, shared ideas of 3D printing and these, the, the quality of materials to put on someone's body, um, and the quality of the engineering design that went into this trusted us. And you, you certainly need that level of trust, especially when you're designing and trying to um, have someone use it, a brand new type of product. Um, I think what we realized almost to, um, to immediately kind of uh, solve that dilemma for us was that by putting the, the products, the actual protective devices, the things that we printed into the hands of the athletic trainers who were so used to for years forming these devices by hand out of really high quality materials as well, that we had to do less of, of talking and, and putting words behind what we said in terms of quality and, and the efficacy of the products. And rather could say, look, this is what, this is how we've gotten to this product. This is how we've gotten to this solution. Um, take a look at it. You know, you, they're, they're, our customers are very tactile. And I think we realized that very quickly, holding the products, the things that we made, especially for Daniel at the beginning, in their hands and getting to feel them and try and bend them and, and just do the things they're used to doing for years, I think helped us so much and has helped us since working with new clients or, or sitting down and demoing with new athletic trainers at a different university or within a different athletic program, being able to feel the quality of those, the, the products that we produce in an in-person environment is incredibly valuable. And I, so, so I think we've realized that kind of right from the start, we had this position where this first customer in a way, Duke, who, again, we were on the team, so it wasn't really a customer at that time. Um, they, they had that level of trust with us. The people who we were talking to had that trust. And I think building trust between um, any sort of company and customers is, is incredibly important. And so we kind of had this platform to springboard off of where we understood why there was, why it was such a big deal for these professionals to come to us, three engineering students on the team and say, hey, this is what we're stuck with right now. Could you make something better? We understood the gravity of that situation. And um, I think we're able to, to just build off that from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned something around trust, which I think is, is totally important when it comes to, to selling to future customers. 
And obviously, you know, you started at Duke and you expanded to NC State, I believe, and, and, some, and a lot of other schools as well. And I guess I'm curious, like when it comes to schools where you maybe don't initially know the athletic trainer or the sports medicine professional who works there, like what are some tactics besides, you know, the demos and, and the physicality of, of your products that helps them, I guess, gain a sense of trust in you? Certainly. Um, so we've, I, I would say that the, the new, um, the new clients we've worked with, the new schools, teams that we've worked with, um, or even sat down to demo with in person have, uh, I, I wouldn't understate the, the network within athletic medicine and mm-hmm. how having a really good experience working with a trainer, an athletic trainer at one school and having them refer us to their friend who works at a, another school down the road, um, can just be in, incredibly helpful and has been so helpful right now at the very beginning of just using that word of mouth to um, kind of share the confidence that they have within us. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that and beyond, again, really getting to sit down in person and, and show the products, the end products um, in a personal standpoint, I think the biggest thing that we've been able to do is communicate on a very human, personal level. Because when we reach out to a new potential client or someone we want to work with or, or someone we want to share our technology with. We are reaching out as a startup that's trying to get their product out there, but we're also reaching out truly as three ex college football players who have been in the locker room for four years at a, a D1 school who have felt the problems that we're describing and that we know they're dealing with first person firsthand. Um, mm-hmm. And at the same time, we, we genuinely, we're able to apply our learning in college to create a solution that's better. So I think we've been able to really hit on less of a, you, you always have to learn how to, how to sell and how to be a salesman or a saleswoman, but being able to communicate from that type of personal perspective, where it's really us relating to them as, as individuals, because we understand, I think, to a, to a great degree, our, our customers that we're working with in the situations they're in has, has been incredibly valuable. Mm, 100%. I, I love that point of, Besides, you know, just letting them play around with the products, but actually like bringing in the personal experience and connecting with the emotional side of the story. I think that's such an understated part of, of, of the selling process. And I guess like when it comes to, you know, let's just say you have a new school that you're looking to expand your products into. And you, you said you did, you do some emailing, right? And you, you kind of tell the story. What are some things beyond that email? Like, let's just say they get back to you what happens in that next meeting? Like what, what, what are the conversations that ensue after? Definitely. So um, as I would imagine, many, um, m- many uh, founders have dealt with over the past six months or so, we've had sort of a shift in what that next step looks like. Right. Um, <laughs> I would say though, that the first thing we, we always try and do is we understand that if, if we have someone who's interested, whose, whose interest has been piqued by some email that we sent, maybe something they saw in a press release um, that what we can really do to emphasize, you know, once we get on the phone and we can talk personally with them, um, that's a huge leg up for us as well. And the next thing we can do is really say, look, let's like, we want to sit down and show you this technology in person. We're capturing 3d scans through an iPad and we're producing products in as little as 48 hours that are higher quality than something you're going to use otherwise. And the best way we can show this to you is just by sit, sitting down and, and getting, getting them to you to feel, to have in your hands, to really see what we're talking about. What we've shifted to a little bit is is figuring out what's the best way we can do that virtually. And so um, that can be a, a video call where we show them through the screen what it looks like, how easy it is to scan a, an athlete, 
how easy it is to use the app that we, the iPad app that we've been developing to, to do these 3D scans. Um, and, you know, if we have to send them some sample products, we are more than happy to do that as well to show, you know, figure out by whatever means necessary, we can, we can show that quality. 100%. It's, it's very interesting to see, I guess, how companies like yourself learn to adapt through this pandemic and still, you know, continue to chug along. Um, when it comes to, I, I know you, you mentioned, Tim, in our last call, something around running a pilot program at NC State. How often does that pilot program end up in the conversation of these next customers? Like, do you bring up those results from that pilot program and be like, hey, look, this is what we did here and look, look at the result that we were able to produce. Like, is that something you guys try to bring up consistently? Definitely. Um, I, I would say it comes up in um, almost every conversation that I have with, with a potential new customer because in our short, we're, we're coming up in, in just a couple of days from the time that we're talking will be our one year anniversary of incorporating as a company. Wow. Um, and so, so we're, we haven't had too much time and we've tried to move quickly. And so being able to last fall, the fall of 2019, when we were able to have this initial pilot program with, with um, NC State's football team um, down the road from where we are in Durham, North Carolina, um, that showed from the start what we envisioned, the, a sneak peek of what we envisioned this technology being. We started out by creating one and then a few more and then a handful of products for, for players here and there at, at Duke and different athletics teams. And then we got this chance to really show, okay, if we could put... Um, we're working on developing a lot of this technology further and further, working on getting a really high quality application that can be widely used through an iPad to do the scanning. Um, if we could, once we get there, what would it look like to actually deploy what we see as really a service of being on-call design engineers, frankly, um, at a, for a for athletic training room? Um, and so when we're trying to share what this can look like for a new customer, it's, it's incredibly important and, and um, helpful to reflect on, look, we've done this before in a, in a very early capacity. And this is how, you know, we went into that with, I think, two different types of products that we designed so far. And we've worked with less than 10 athletes. And at, by the end of the fall, in a course of three or four months, we had over 15 designs for different products that we could make and had worked with over 100 athletes having, wow. um, having devices or over 100 devices on, on nearly as many athletes. I want to take a moment actually to kind of flash back to that time when you were initially in communication with NC State and about to set up that pilot program. Like what were some of the topics that you guys discussed in that conversation? Like did you guys talk about, you know, them paying you or, you know, stuff like logistics? Like what was in that conversation with NC State initially? Definitely. So we, um, going back to something we, we just touched on a little bit, we uh, had a an athletic trainer who um, worked with us when we were players at Duke, who who now is an athletic trainer at NC State, and that um, uh, he he was incredibly helpful with sort of facilitating some first conversations and introductions there. Um, and uh, you know, we we at that point we shared really everything that had happened so far. We had stumbled upon this interesting solution, a new way to approach these problems in in sports medicine. We had proved it a couple of times in ways that we felt were were pretty viable. Um, We'd figured out some, we'd smoothed out some some kinks in our technology and, and how we were actually, what the process looked like to, to create and design these devices. And then we were, I think, incredibly, and this goes back to building trust as well, incredibly clear with what our goals were. And our goal at the time was to say, look, we want to maximize the feedback and the usage and the input that we can get from professionals who are using and can use our technology. 
as early as possible. So, you know, let's say we walk in and we, we say, look, we've made these two different products before. Um, rather than saying, if you ever need these products, use our service, we really help them to understand and try to, to explain what the, the back, sort of the back end of the technology we're using looked like, how we were applying it, what it actually did, and how it could be used to solve new problems that they had. And I think that was crucial because that started this relationship where rather than focusing on getting hitting a certain mark of revenue that we wanted to get from a new client or a new program, we were really focused on building a relationship with the athletic trainers there on a very personal level and understanding the problems they dealt with. And when they had a new problem that they thought maybe we could create a, a solution for, they would reach out. And that's exactly the type of um, relationship we wanted. And frankly, when we maybe did something that, that wasn't a great solution or that could be improved on, they were sure to tell us, which is um, not something to be taken for granted in a lot of cases. And that relationship has just grown stronger and stronger and continues to be um, incredibly beneficial to us as a small company. I think that's super interesting. Yeah. Like not so much approaching, you know, that pilot program as look here, here's our product. You try it out, let us know but more having that like super close knit relationship of iterate and feedback, iterate and feedback. It's really interesting. So Tim, I want to switch gears a bit and move on to the fire round. Um, are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Number one, most memorable experience at Duke. So I'd have to say um, there's a tradition at Duke where after we beat um, our rivals from down the road at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, in basketball at home, we uh, there are a bunch of wooden benches around Duke's campus um, that uh, kind of get decorated and painted throughout the years. And if we win, if we win a game at home, the men's or women's basketball teams win, we uh, have a, a bench burning ceremony where we all gather, wow. the students gather on the main quad at night after the game's over. And it, it almost looks like a, like a, a ritual in some ways. And we carry these benches into a big bonfire in the middle of the quad and uh, just burn them. It's, it's really bizarre, but I remember doing that freshman year and just looking around and seeing so many friends from different parts of campus, from my classes, from my dorm, from uh, athletics teams, all sorts, all gathered around kind of enjoying that victory. Um, and it was, it definitely made me feel like I, I was at the right place for, for school. It almost sounds like yeah, definitely ritualistic cult vibes. <laughs> I want to disagree. Uh, second question, favorite class at Duke? Kind of random, but um, probably I took a, I took a, sorry, I majored in mechanical engineering, but I took a number of classes in different areas before that. And I took a physics class, it was physics 153 at Duke, um, that was in uh, essentially a quantum mechanics class, but I didn't really know that going into it. And I definitely got a little bit in over my head, but the, the professor was just fantastic. And um, I would say that was uh, just a really special class where I was focused. I knew, I knew my, maybe the numbers on my grade wouldn't come out to be uh, fantastic. And I really was able to just focus on, on taking away what I could from the class. And it might, might not have been all the material, but um, I was able to learn a lot. And the, the uh, professor really made it just a, a great experience. And that really sticks with me as, as a highlight. I love that. Sometimes it's like the hardest classes that you get the most takeaways from. So 100% agree with that. Third question, quarantine activity that keeps you sane? Hmm. Um, I'm kind of torn between two. I, uh, have, I, I used to hate running. Um, just distance running as an activity, but with uh, obviously many closures of, of other ways of, of that I'm used to getting exercise and, and activity um, have started running over the past few months. And I think I've now would say I've become a runner. So 
that's definitely been a, been a staple in my routine. Um, that's huge. That's like a conversion. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't, um, don't downplay that to myself at least it's it's been a, a lot of fun the other thing totally different but i i started playing the ukulele um and i see it behind I, you is that is that the ukulele i see yeah that's that's the ukulele i uh i, I played piano all growing up and played some other instruments so this was a, a new one but it's been nice to have um different type of release um throughout the day working from working from my apartment that sounds so fun fourth question tim one piece of advice for students who are looking to start something lots of pieces of advice from the last year. Um, I, w one thing that always comes to the top of, of uh, my mind when I think about this is that um, we had some mentors, a handful of mentors and a few in particular who really guided us from the very beginning, who um, had an alignment of interests, of technical interest, of um, interest in our success, of um, entrepreneurship experience. People who had who'd been through it before many times and who knew when we hit a roadblock and we didn't know what to do um, as a team of three engineers who'd never been entrepreneurs in any capacity we could go to and um, be directed in the right way and that was I, I think invaluable having those people those few people in our in our network who were working closely with us was was invaluable to um, to our early success and being where we are we are where we are now yeah, I feel like with many of the entrepreneurs I've, I've spoken to, including yourself, mentors seem to be a big part of the equation in terms of guiding and, and just correcting course, if that makes sense. Definitely. Uh, last question, Tim. Where do you see Protected Pads going and what are the next steps for Tim Skabeck? Protected, uh, I, we participated in a competition run by the, the NFL this spring where we won a grant from the NFL for innovations in athlete health and safety, which um, cemented, I think, our, our, our passion and also our path forward to really bring this technology broadly through college football, professional football, um, the domain that we have the most personal understanding of where we know our solution is, uh, is incredibly beneficial. Um, beyond that, there are, we're also cognizant of how this can help. And we've, we've worked with other teams as well, different sports, how this technology can help more broadly in athletic medicine outside of such a high impact sport like football. Um, so we certainly hope to start small and focused um, in the area that we're most comfortable with, but um, there are many doors down the road branching out into other sports as well as beyond athletics as well, because many of the devices that we continue to, to make um, and, and prototype and design and refine can certainly be used in, um, in by a more broad consumer market as well. And then the second part of, second part of your question for, for Tim Skapek personally, um, I would say that I, I'm, fully 100% uh, uh, committed to, to trying to make Protected as successful as possible right now. I, I, um, at, from a personal standpoint, I, I try not to forecast what I'm doing too far in advance, um, maybe operating on a, on a six-month, nine-month time frame. So I, uh, for the time being, as long as we, we joke, but, but um, till the wheels fall off, really focusing on this, trying to make it as successful as we know it can be. Um, and down the road, who knows? I, I can say this, that I've learned, I feel like I've learned more in the last 18 months about myself, about engineering, about entrepreneurship through this experience of starting a company and trying to build it than I have in years combined beforehand. So mm -hmm. I see that as invaluable experience. And I'm sure that um, wherever I go next, we'll have uh, a continued thread of, of entrepreneurship and creating something um, down the road. I love that, Tim. It's crazy to see how, you know, we were both... <laughs> 
Dallas sites, I guess, people who lived in Dallas, and somehow we ended up in the same kind of sphere of, of startup and entrepreneurship. So it's, it's great to see how much you've, you've done with Protected Pads, and I'm just excited to see where you guys are headed. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I appreciate it. So many great insights. Thanks so much, Tim, for coming on the couch, and to all of you for tuning into this episode. If you liked hearing from a founder working on something related to athletics and fitness, you might enjoy episode number 26, where we talk with Jenny Shu. If you haven't already, subscribe to Founders Couch, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating and review. If you want to see more from us or DM me ideas for questions or guests, which are always, always welcome, follow us on Instagram at Founders Couch. Catch us Friday after next, September 18th, for another Founders Couch Friday. I'm Katherine Jang, and you've been listening to The Founder's Couch. See y'all soon.